I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the Royal Horticultural Society's Gardening Podcast. I'm Guy Barter, Chief Horticulturist at the RHS. In this podcast, we discuss all aspects of gardening, plant care, pests and diseases, botanical art, gardening in a changing climate and much more. We hope that you'll hear something to interest you, whether you have years of gardening experience or none at all. Coming up in this edition, the nights are drawing in and there's a chill in the air. But there's a taste of sunnier climbs on the RHS Gardening Podcast as we visit the brand new exotic garden here at Wisley. The latest news on events and activities at RHS Gardens this autumn. Plus, what are codlings, costards and biffins? A new exhibition at the Lindley Library reveals all. But first, let's go out to meet wildlife expert Kate Bradbury and hear about some of the key jobs you can be doing in your garden now to protect the wildlife there. Typically in autumn, I try to resist the gardener's urge to clear everything down, chop everything up, put it on the compost heap, because as temperatures start to fall, wildlife really needs somewhere to knuckle on down for winter undisturbed. So what my borders do is they rot into themselves. The stems fall, they collapse, the seed heads scatter themselves everywhere. I have teasels all over my lawn. It's a nightmare, but I know that... In allowing my borders to stay intact for all of winter, I'm providing the wildlife with a really valuable hibernation space. And all this means is that the wildlife doesn't end up in the compost bin or it doesn't get disturbed halfway through winter and then exposed to damp conditions which can bring on fungal infections and and kill it. I know so many people who have been doing winter tidying and disturbed hedgehogs. My philosophy on this is is that we we leave our gardens well alone until spring and yes it does mean you're very very busy in spring but it also means you've provided your garden's wildlife with a really safe dry space to spend winter and the benefits of that for me is that I've always got ladybirds in my garden because ladybirds tend to hibernate in 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 plant stems and you know under little seed in seed heads and, and things like that and and so just by allowing them 
to spend winter in my garden, it just means as soon as the aphids wake up, the ladybirds are already there, which is really useful for me. I never have to clear away aphids of, of my plants because the ladybirds do the jobs for me. You know, moths, butterflies, caterpillars, all these things that hunker down into the grass, hunker down into the thatch, you know, rest under leaves. It's all just part of the ecosystem, all just part of the cycle of life. And it just means, yes, my garden's messier for it, but it's also richer for it. You can find more information on protecting and promoting beneficial wildlife in your garden on the advice pages of the RHS website, rhs.org.uk. The RHS is undertaking a huge investment project to restore and redevelop and reinvigorate its four gardens. One of the most recently completed parts of this project is the exotic garden here at Wisley. Open to the public by TV star Sophie Raworth, this stunning new addition to the Wisley display boasts more than 100 unusual and exotic species and cultivars centred around a very beautiful water feature. The podcast team went to Wisley to meet some of the people behind this inspiring garden. Which exotic plants will thrive in the unpredictable British climate and how do the garden teams plan to protect their new treasures from the winter cold? Hello, I'm Gemma. I'm the formal team leader. Hello, my name's Emma Allen. I'm the garden manager for formal and decorative display. So Wisley Exotic Garden is a garden full of lush foliage, different shapes, colours, textures. We have an amazing pineapple fountain in the centre. You can find pineapples planted throughout the garden and in some really beautiful urns as well. It's got lots of hot coloured flowers, such as dahlias and fuchsias, abutilons that will catch your eye, and it creates that really hot tropical feel. And I think also in a slightly changing climate as well, it's interesting to experiment with plants that are, you know, borderline half-hardy, tender, seeing what will actually survive. We've got sandy soil here, so we're quite free-draining, which means a lot of things won't rot off in the soil. But also, I think um, it just captures people's imaginations. There's a lot of hardy plants that have the exotic look and feel that aren't going to disappear over winter. So you can make it as difficult or as easy for yourself as you like. So I think there's a lot of different ideas for visitors to take home to get this kind of tropical exotic look without making lots of additional work for themselves. You could get the tropical look, I think, without using any half-hardy plants at all. If you don't have somewhere to take dahlias in, if you've got a clay soil and you don't want to risk leaving them out over winter, then you don't have to use dahlias. Other plants uh, that have the tropical look but are hardy, such as Antidesia or Arum lily, most people might know that as, or things like Echinacea and Rudbeckia, there are some colours and forms that look really exotic and weird and wonderful, but will actually be completely hardy over winter. There's a few palms that you can use that are hardy, Trachycarpus fortunii is one that will actually self-seed in this country in certain areas um, and you don't have to worry about leaving that out at all. And there's a few we're experimenting with such as Bootias, Sabal Minor and Trithrinax which are probably on the edge so we'll wrap them but you can certainly get an exotic palm with a Trachycarpus fortunii without doing any protection at all. And there's even a smaller version called Trachycarpus wagnerianus that we are using in here if you don't have a lot of space and again want to get that look in your garden. If you're thinking about planting an exotic garden where you live, get to know your climate and your soil type. Um, But there are lots of plants that will do well in most places across the UK. 
So things like Fatsia has got large foliage and it'll give you that lush, exotic look. Things like we've got some variegated Brunnera, which we have underneath the Fatsias. Tricertis works really well. That has lovely flowers and that can cope with a bit of shade. We've got some really nice ferns. Dryopteris erythrosaura brilliance. That has really nice bright foliage and that creates that exotic, lush look as well. This fern has very bright green foliage and on the back the spores are brown. As new foliage emerges it comes up in a ready kind of bronzy colour. Over winter we've kind of got a, three uh, different techniques we're using for the things that are the plants that are on the uh, edge of tender or we're not sure about so um, every year we will wrap the, all the bananas um, so we're going to wrap these make almost little houses around them wrap them with some probably black fleece, maybe keep the heat in better, we're going to experiment with that, and we're going to stuff it with straw, put canes around them so it almost becomes a little house, you might even put some of the leaves on top to make it look like a bit of a banana house. So some of the palms that we may be a bit concerned about in the first couple of years, palms tend to get hardier as they get bigger, and the bigger the trunk, the more robust they'll be against our winter cold. The trithrinax, some of the younger bootiers, uh, the sabalmina, for example, we'll wrap these with um, a white horticultural fleece, and then cover with hessian over the top as well. And then there's some, because we're on a sandy soil, there's some plants like dahlia, canna, um, hedicium, the gingers, that we would often bring in, in most areas of the country bring them in, but because we're on a sandy soil here, we're going to give them a heavy mulch with our bracken mulch and leave them in situ. And we think they should be fine unless we got an incredibly harsh winter. And then there's other things like the pineapples, for example, and some of the colocasias uh, that will bring those things in ready for next year. And then there's other plants like the, uh, there's a lovely Eupatorium capillifolium, which has a very feathery, uh, tall, herbaceous perennial feel. Um, that one we'll take cuttings from the butylons we're going to leave out but we'll take cuttings of those as well we think the butylons will make it but we're not sure so we're just going to back it up um, it's, it is a bit of an experiment as well but we also like I said want to make sure there's plenty of hardy plants out here so that if people don't have the time to do all of this protection they can still get the look without all the extra work we have a couple of plants that um, are potential edibles in the exotic garden and these are pineapples and bananas. Uh, unfortunately in this country they don't have long enough growing season to ripen, it's not hot enough, it's not sunny enough for long enough, but that shouldn't put you off. You can grow them in your own garden. As Emma said before, bananas you can wrap up. Pineapples you can treat as houseplants so you can put them out in the summer in containers or even plant them in your garden if you've got good drainage in the sun then you can bring them in and have them as a house plant over winter you should get a fruit from them but it won't ripen and turn yellow Gemma Neach and Emma Allen at the new exotic garden at Wisley as always you can find more information about RHS Garden Wisley see photos and find out about special events and attractions on our website See rhs.org.uk forward slash gardens. And remember, entry to all four of our gardens is free for members, just one of the many benefits of joining the RHS. I'm Guy Barter and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Now, the answer to the teaser I posed at the start of this podcast. What are codlings, costards and biffins? Yes, Shakespeare buffs, costard is indeed a character in Love's Labour's Lost. 
but they're also historical terms for different types of apples, and apples are the subject of a fascinating new exhibition at the Lindley Library. The team went to Vincent Square in London to learn more about this favourite fruit from the curatorial team. Hello, I'm Fiona Davison and I'm the Head of Libraries and Exhibitions at the RHS and we're here in the basement of the Lindley Library to look at apples. So we've got exhibitions at the Lindley Library called Codlings, Costards and Biffins, which is a bit hard to say, but we've also got them at all of the RHS gardens now, which is great. So at Rosemore, um, there's a large display and at Hyde Hall and Harlow Carr as well, there are some display panels all about heritage apples. Um, and at Wisley, we've also got um, a special display for children actually in the orchard called Amazing Apples, uh, where families and children can go on an Amazing Apples treasure trail finding lots and lots of old varieties. So to celebrate that, we're also really excited for the first time to be able to share our collections online. And we've got a new website which has launched, um, which you can find at rhs.org.uk forward slash heritage apples, where you'll be able to see for the first time online um, some of our lovely hookers fruit drawings. And we've got some here today in the library to show you. So in 1815, the society decided that it wanted to have paintings of all of the best fruits and they set up a committee to decide which fruits and they employed a man called William Hooker to paint these lovely pictures of apples and other fruits and we've put 40 of the apples up online for you to have a look at but I just thought we'd talk through some of them today. They're absolutely gorgeous. Um, William Hooker was a master at painting fruit and he developed a special way of painting which was almost uh, like tiny, uh, little tiny dots, tiny, tiny, you need a magnifying glass to see. But when you look at them um, and step back, you get this lovely flush of the fresh fruit and they, and they almost seem to glow on the page. Um, so the page we've got open at the moment is the Bolsdorf apple. There are um, 135 uh, fruit drawings which are signed by Hooker. A lot of these varieties no longer exist today. And one of the key messages we're getting across, hopefully, in this um, series of exhibitions we're doing and online, is just the wealth of apple varieties we used to have um, and how much we are at risk of losing if we don't maintain special collections with this amazing genetic diversity and of all of these different varieties. Apparently 70% of the apples sold in British supermarkets today are only one of only four varieties. So we're losing a whole palette of taste and texture and stories behind some of these lovely local apple varieties. So what's really striking about William Hooker's paintings was he was tasked with painting the fruit at every stage in its life cycle. So the picture not only has the fruit, it has the fruit actually on the branch so you can see how it hangs and, and you learn a lot about what it looks like on the tree. You see both sides of the leaf but you also see the blossom. So what's had to happen, if you think about it, is William Hooker has had to see the tree in fruit. He's had to, and we think he started in the autumn each year, painted the, the, the tree in fruit, and then came back the following spring, painted the blossom, and he's also sliced through the apple and painted the apple half so that you can see how the seeds sit within the apple as well. So it's giving you all the information you need to identify this tree if you ever come across it. It's so nice to have these online now so people can see them. Because in the past we've only been able to exhibit these 
to very small numbers of people who've been able to make it to the library in London and now everybody can enjoy them. We called the main exhibition Codlings, Costards and Biffins because these are all old names for different types of apples. Um, A codling would be a cooker. And Britain is unusual. It's pretty unique in the world. We're the only country in the world that has developed a really rich variety of specifically cooking apples. And we developed apples which were good for baking, good for stewing, good for sauces, good for jellies. It was a really fundamental part of our um, food heritage. So that's codlings. Costards and biffins. Costard was an old name for a seller, so that a costard is an apple that would be sold on the market, and a biffin is a big apple, (laughs) which is also a cooker. And we're losing such a lot of language as well if we lose these, these apple names. We've got a book here which was produced by the RHS as a record of an amazing uh, set of conferences we had at our garden in Chiswick. And we had an apple conference in 1883, followed by an apple and pear conference in 1888. And we invited all the growers in the country to bring their best apples and pears. And then they voted for the best one for their region. And the result is this little book. And it's just got an alphabetical list, and it's just great fun to go through the names. I just love them. They're so evocative. I mean, just at random, the the, the Normandy Pippin, the Nonsuch, the Nonsuch Paradise. And some of them, are na- uh, you have a bit of fun because some of them are named after people. And then they give a description. So you've got Mrs Gladstone, who's small, conical, angular and reddish, sweet, but unfortunately Mrs Gladstone is second quality. Um, and Mrs Barron, who's large, yellow and oblong. <laughs> And it's just, they're just lovely and it's so nice to see them and you have such fun. My favourite apple name is um, the Slack My Girdle, which means you eat so much of it that you have to slacken off your girdle. Um, And it's just, it would be such a shame if we lost all of that heritage. The exhibition, Codlings, Costards and Biffins, runs at the Lindley Library until the 10th of November. Why not join us for a special viewing of the exhibition and curators' tours of material from the library collections at the RHS Autumn Garden Show on the 25th and 26th of October? Full details of all events and many more are on our website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter or like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Guy Barter, and all here at Wisley, thanks for listening and goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. 
and the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the Rhydon, and I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step, and you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer, or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.